This is the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Hey, welcome to this month's podcast. Uh, let me get right into this. A couple years ago, about two and a half years ago, our executive pastor, Matt Gates, came to me and he said, you know, Pastor, you and Michelle, of course, founded the church. Uh, this October will be 28 years we've been here. And he said, you know, I work with you and have over 20 years, so I know your values, but you've really never taken the time to define them in, in very concise ways uh, that, that those values that you and Michelle have built the ministry and lived your lives by. And so last year, uh, we, we took the time and we worked with a couple people to help us to, to break the values of our life down. And I want to do that with you. Over the next six months, I want to take you into the six values that Michelle and I have lived our lives by, that have built this church, and how we lead. Uh, and, and I would suggest that this would be independent of our vocation. If I or we were called to a different vocational life, uh, these are the same values that we'd have. And yet, I, I want to just encourage you before we get into the values to consider this. It's so easy as leaders, it's so easy as people, to strive for outcomes rather than to strive for the values that produce the outcomes. We live in a world today that is so driven by accomplishment and goals and tasks and just getting it done. But sometimes we lose the concept that values ultimately become the foundation from which outcomes occur. And I want to help you to be able to actually do that in your life. I want to help you to, to see some values that you may or may not have defined in your life. And these values may not be how you would define them for you. But it's my hope over these next six months of podcast that I take you into these simple, simple values that have helped Michelle and I to be able to live the life that we've lived. Certainly not a perfect one, but a fruitful one. The first value is this, let love lead. Let love lead. And there's a subtext to it. God's unconditional love transforms everyone it touches. It energizes our lives, directs our culture, and it sets our strategy. We don't lead people into the kingdom. We love them into the kingdom. The verbiage of all of these values have been poured over from Michelle and I. Bringing them into concise language is that let love lead. Because here's the reality. God's unconditional love transforms everyone that it actually touches. In all of these values, I'm going to take you into some of the defining stories and the transformational stories of mine and Michelle's lives as to how this value found its footing in our life. This one, Let Love Lead, started for me very early on. When I was a new believer at age 16, I walked with God for about two, three weeks, and we weren't in a church. We didn't have a church. It's a long story how I came to Christ, but I immediately fell away. Virtually had no relationship with God and fell into pretty dark and gross behavior and sin. I mean, it was dark. And so I was in college at the time and living an extremely immoral life. Uh, it's, it's shameful to even speak of how immoral it was. And when you add to that drugs and everything else, it was not a good way to live. Well, I came home that summer and my mom, who was uh, and is a, a strong Christian, she uh, she said, hey, I want to take you to our church picnic, me and my four brothers. Now, now you have to understand, and they called it their Sunday school picnic. And she had gone started going to a church that was full of God and full of the Word of God. And But, I mean, we thought she was crazy. 
And, you know, my likelihood of going to a Sunday school picnic was zero. So I said, Mom, look, I'm not going to some stupid picnic. But then my mom's not stupid. This is a church full of Italian people. And Italian people don't do picnics like what we call manja cakes or cake eaters. They have real food at their picnic. All these old Italian ladies brought roasters full of cavatelle and and there was lasagna and brajol and peppers and a sausage. I mean, Jesus, Jesus shows up when these ladies cook. But when she told us the food, all of us said, okay, we'll go for the food. But we had to endure this stupid service before it. Went through it. They play, played a guitar, preached some kind of message. I have no remembrance. So my mother, wanting me to walk with God, introduces me to the pastor like when he's alone. Pastor Bill, this is my son, John. And I'm thinking, you know what? I will cure this woman. She will never do this to me again. And when she walked away, what I said to that man was so shameful. I told him the, 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 the intimate details of how wickedly I was living. And I mean details. And, and, and I told him I was going to go back to school and continue doing it. And I mean, I was so rude to him. And what he did changed my life. Not what he said, what he did. I, I remember looking at his face, never changing its expression. I was ready for that religious response that something to put me down or to condemn me. And all he did, there was, there was a look in his eyes that was almost a longing for me as a person. I, I don't know how to explain it. But love is, is sometimes unexplainable. But then he said a couple sentences that rocked me. And here's what he said. After I finished my tirade, he looked me right in the eyes and he said, John, you really have no idea how much God loves you, do you? And I remember actually saying to him, are you out of your mind? Did you hear how I live? And I'm going to go, God doesn't love me. Are you crazy? And he, oh, he, he just said it again. He said, you know, you really have no idea how much he loves you. He shook my hand. He said, but it's so nice to meet you. And he walked away from me. It blew my mind. Now, you would think something that was that short of an interaction, that steeped in, in godless behavior, would not have an impact. I went back to college, and I wouldn't use this word today, but, but then I would have. It haunted me. There was something about that God would love me in spite of all of this. I couldn't get away from it. I would go out and get drunk and have immoral interactions. I'll leave it at that. Come back at two or three in the morning on a weekend and lay in my dorm room alone and just cry. And I would ultimately start screaming at God to leave me alone. See, in my background, I thought he was coming to judge me. But it wasn't literally three months later that the love of God constrained me. The love of God for me led me to repentance. And, when I, and I never went back to school the next semester. And, and it wasn't a year later, I was in a Bible school following a call of God on my life. The unconditional love of God transforms everyone it touches. The question is, is the way I'm living, letting that love transform others in the way I live my life toward them? I remember then going to his church and I had no concept of the Bible. I mean, literally, I remember reading the Bible. Paul said, my son, Timothy, I thought it was his kid. 
I remember saying that to somebody. Paul had a son named Timothy, and the guy in front of me kindly turned around, and he said, well, that was his son in the faith. And I said, oh, and I had no idea what a son in the faith meant. I thought, okay, maybe he was illegitimate. I didn't know what he meant. And so Bill was teaching, and the, and the, and the man who became my pastor that I had offended ended up, he became my pastor, Bill Anzavino. He was preaching, and I have no idea what he was preaching about. But he quoted John 16, where Jesus said, The Father himself loves you. And when he said that, it was like my world stopped. I don't know how to define for you, and I'm sure many of you listening feel and felt like I did. I just felt less than other people. I just felt like I could never, ever do anything with my life that would be meaningful. I would never have, I don't know why I believe this. I'd never have a really meaningful relationship. I could never really have a family. I don't know why, but that's how I thought of myself. But the Holy Spirit took over that day, and he began to teach me. And I don't know how to give you words for it, but it was like a paragraph. And if you will, a chapter went off in my heart. And I knew that the God of the universe loved me intimately. And that love, somehow knowing that he loved me, if you could have heard what happened, you would have heard chains falling. And that's exactly what it felt like. And, and, And this person who felt purposeless, I knew that I had to have a mission for my life. I knew I had, if he loves me, he has to have something for me. It gave me a life without limits. It, 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 a life without limits. My question is if you let love lead, if you truly for yourself believe the love of the Father, but then reflect that love to others, what would await you? What would await you and the others with whom you interact if you truly believed the love of the Father? Let love lead. And so I began to realize that if he loved me, then his love would have plans for me, would direct my life's purpose. And from that day forward, I've lived completely differently. And it's an amazing thing, the power of the love of God. Secondly, about let love lead, let me mention this to you. Is Part of the subtext was this. His love energizes our lives, directs our culture, and sets our strategy. And, and, and these values are ones that I, I've been sharing with our church. And these are actually the values that are, going, that are going to be shared because they're immutable, unchangeable, even beyond my tenure, because these values are what builds God's people to build people. And so the love of God actually brings energy to your life. It literally should direct the culture that's set around you. It even should influence and set strategy. Romans 8.32, one of the most remarkable scriptures in the Bible, says this, Since he, God, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also, along with giving us Jesus, freely give us everything else? Imagine the concept that God is saying, I didn't spare my son for you. My love is so overwhelming, I gave my son for you. And what else would I withhold from you? if I gave him freely to you. The question that I began to ask myself when, when love began to lead me and then love began to influence the way I lead others was this. If God was my partner, what would I consider to be impossible? When you move outside the love of God, even when you work for God or serve God in any capacity in his kingdom, vocationally or otherwise, without the love of the Father, Without the intimacy that love brings from the heart of the Father to you, 
You will not labor with God. You will labor for God. You will do something for God. And almost like a kid bringing their finished product to their parent to get approval. But we're not called to labor for God. We're called to labor with him. What is it that the God of all creation wants to use you as his body on the earth to actually do for him? And what scale and impact would you see if you truly believed? Now listen, believed, believed that God was your partner, not the partner that you brought to the table to do your will, but that he brought you to his table to do his will through your life. People say this all the time, and, and I know what they mean by it, but it's not fully accurate. Hey, man, all you need is Jesus. That's really not true. In the sense of salvation, it is. But everything else on the earth, you need people. In fact, even more importantly, God needs you. That's why we're called the very body of Christ. And that's why there's so much limit to what God does in the earth. Because without his body's cooperation, then his will is impeded and thwarted and sometimes stopped completely. But the scripture tells me that God is love. So love will lead you only where God would lead you, and God would lead you only where love would lead you. Let me give you a practical example how the love of God changed the way I saw ministry, how I saw challenges, how I saw the resources necessary to do the calling. Like many of you, if if not all of you that are listening, God has burned deep things into your soul to do in this earth, to, 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 to truly bring his kingdom to people. And yet sometimes what's in our heart and what ultimately can end up in our life becomes very different. Let me give you an example of where this value really cemented in my heart in ministry. When Victory Family Church was just, oh my, just a, a couple years old, and it, it started to grow, and we, we knew we had to get a building and buy land because there were no buildings in Cranberry, so we had to build one. And so it was just, everything was over my head. It was crazy. I don't know how to ex- over-exaggerate the inadequacies that I had in starting this church. I broke every rule you could break. I, it's hard to exaggerate the ineptness. But I, but, I've, but I found that love covers a multitude of sins, that when you love people and you let love lead, and every goal you have is formed in the love of God, it actually covers a multitude of your failings and your weaknesses because people are desperate for God. And Jesus literally told us, all men will you know, know you're my disciple, not by your doctrine, not by your politics, not by your opinions, not by your medical expertise in a pandemic. They will know your mind by the way you love people. And the love of God, as it began to saturate and change my life, it was the only thing I knew to give people. When we were building our first building, we hired an architect, and I'm ashamed to say he was an Italian after the, after the, the way he did his job, but you know maybe that's a private issue. But anyway, I, we asked him to build and design the building to... Uh, the specification of $750,000. It was just a metal building. And back then, prices were lower. Well, when the bids came back, they came back at $1.4 million. He was off by 100% in his design. I was absolutely devastated. I remember calling the guy and saying, this is the lowest bid. I said, 
you were off by 100%. His answer was, well, you know, the 750 was just an estimate. Now, of course, thank God he wasn't with me present because I think I might have been arrested for assault, but I hope the love of Christ would have constrained me. But I remember leaving that conversation and telling God, like, I, I, what do I do? We're in the middle of this. We didn't have the $750,000. And I remember even fighting God about starting the church. I gave him a minister's name that, that should start it, and we'd go help them. And, and many of you would know him. His name's Tony Cook. And I, I can't tell you how many times in prayer I'd say, Lord, Tony Cook could do this, and I'd be a great help to him. And, uh, and so when this all happened, I said, Lord, I told you that Tony Cook could have did this and not me. I've just blown this whole thing up. And I spent probably three days in complaining and, and worry. And, of course, I, I put it in the context of prayer and said Jesus' name at the end of it. But all I did for three days was complain and, and, and lament and worry and say, oh, God, uh, this is over. I, don't, I, I mean, the 750 was a ridiculous miracle. Now it's, we need 1.4 million? It was a joke. And so finally when I, after a few days, stopped just murmuring and, and crying out and blaming people and telling God how stupid I am, because I, I think he was quite aware of all of those things, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart something that changed everything for me. And this is where the value of let love lead has emerged. And this is something that I'll remember it like for the rest of my life. Because there are those moments, and I wish they happened every day, but they don't, where you know God spoke to your heart. And it isn't a question. It's as clear as, as, as the nose on your face. And I'll never forget what he said to me in, the, in that moment. Because it's, it's literally literally set the way we have done ministry for the rest of our ministry lives. And here's what he said to me. He said, don't ever ask me about money again. If you knew how much I love people, you would never even think about money. And I realized that the love of money, the root of all evil, is not people that are just stealing for money or placing their values in a twisted way to gain money. The love of money is when you ask money for permission to do something instead of obey God. I was stopped in my tracks because of money. And God dealt with me, said, don't ever ask me about money again. And I never have. He said, if you had any concept of how much I love people, you'd never think about money. Which is why I read you Romans 8.32, because that's the scripture I knew that came up in my heart. I didn't spare my own son, and you're going to talk to me about money. And it was so stern in my heart that the God of the universe said, who made the universe, has one of his servants trying to do what he asked them to do, get stopped in their tracks because of money. You see, sometimes we bow our knee to money and ask money for permission. And I have to tell you, the scripture tells us in Galatians that faith works by love. Certainly that the context of loving people is very important, but even more importantly, you will never believe God beyond the extent of what you understand about his love. In knowing that the love of the Father compelled him to send his son to die, and God literally said, and if I didn't spare him, what do you think I withhold from you? What's money to God? And what I want to help you to see is that value, even though your strategies may fail, and they will, his love never does. 
And it's so important that you understand that simple concept in your life as a leader. If God's leading you and it's on the basis of bringing value to people and loving people and serving people, if he's given that you in your heart, then your ability to trust him is going to be directly related to the extent that you believe of his love for you and for others. And, And I have to tell you, I never prayed about money from that moment forward. I still can't tell you how everything came to pass, but it did. I never, from that point forward, I never talked to God about the money. I never talked to God about the problem. All I did was when I prayed, as I said, Father, I thank you for your great love for people. I thank you that you didn't spare Jesus. I'm just the messenger boy. All I'm doing is what you asked me to do. You're the, you're the owner. You're the one with the finance. I'll do anything you lead me to do. Except I can promise you this, I won't stop. And many years have come and gone. And we built a lot of things. And I've never prayed one time about money. I've always asked one simple question. Is this what's necessary to reach people? And that was my answer. Now we've been wise with money and and we spend it wisely. That's not what I mean. Is that I've never asked money for permission ever. And I won't. I refuse. Because he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give you everything you need, everything you need to fulfill his mission on the earth? And lastly, this concept that we don't lead people into God's kingdom. We love them into his kingdom. Again, Jesus, remember, said, people will know you're his disciple by the way you love, not your doctrine, not not your opinions not your political views. In fact, those things actually undermine the gospel in you because now you are representing someone, something, another interest above the kingdom. Now, you're welcome to have opinions on those, as do I, but never place another kingdom above his. I want to ask you a really hard question that I've asked myself because what I'm talking to you about Letting love lead is how I was rescued. I ask this question of myself, and I'm going to ask it of you. I said, John, what if you would have met you that day? What if the day at the picnic, it wasn't Bill Enzovino, a man who just, just had the love of God as his primary way of dealing with people? What if I had met me? What would have happened to me? Can I ask you a very hard question? What if I would have met you? Would I have gotten from you what I got from Bill? Would you have pointed me to the love of the Father? Or would you have been, into, would, would you have been disgusted by me? Because I promise you, I gave him every reason to do everything but punch me in the mouth. And actually, it, it was rude enough that he could have. I will never forget, and this is many years ago. We're talking many years ago, over 40 years ago. I remember the look in that man's eyes. To this day, I remember that sentences that he said, to this day. And I want to leave you with this simple concept as we move out of this first value and finish up this first value of let love lead. What if I met you that day? Because every day somebody is meeting you. And every day of the world, everybody with whom you interact, Need someone who is a reflection of the love of the Father that's been shed abroad in our heart. 
that the love we freely receive, we give. And the goodness of God led me to repentance. And today I am where I am because one of God's people let love lead them. God bless you. I look forward to sharing with you these final five values. God bless you. Have a great, great month. Thanks again for tuning in to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to rate, review, and share this podcast on iTunes. It's a great way to get the word out and to help others grow as leaders. We'll see you back here next time for another episode of the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast.